Today's episode of the Ministry Minded Podcast is proud to be partnered with Anchor Podcasts. Anchor is the easiest way for anyone to make a podcast. If you have a latent idea that's just kind of lying around for a show you would like to record one day, I'm confident that anyone could use this platform to host, record, and distribute your podcast, turning your idea into a reality. Anchor puts everything you need to be successful all in one place. You can start a new recording right from your mobile device. They also have convenient creation tools that allow you to edit your audio files so they sound crisp and great. Anchor also distributes your podcast for you, letting listeners find your show almost everywhere, including Spotify, Anchor Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and several others. And best of all, it's free. There are no hosting fees or monthly subscriptions or minimum listener counts, just an easy-to-use platform to get your podcast out there at no cost to you. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm today to get started. to another episode of the Ministry Minded Podcast, a show that seeks to marvel at the mercy of God that meets us in our messy ministries. I'm, of course, your host, Pastor Brad Gray. I'm the senior pastor of Stonington Baptist Church in Paxinus, Pennsylvania. I am so happy to be with you again uh, and present to you another edition of Pastor Brad's Corner, uh, a little slice of this podcast that I like to devote to just sharing some thoughts, stories, um, whatever's on the brain, so to speak, at the moment, <laughs> uh, things that I've been thinking about over the past uh, few days or weeks or whatnot, and just things, you know, things hit you in different ways, things kind of strike you at different times, and and so I like to maybe let things kind of develop naturally, and then I get to just talk through them, um, and I get to kind of think them through out loud on this podcast, so I, I, I thank you for allowing me to do that. <laughs> I'm really excited to uh, get into what I have for you today and just share some things that have been on my heart recently, and uh, so I hope that you will uh, benefit as I just kind of talk through, yeah, yeah, just things that I've been thinking about, things that I've been uh, wanting to share for a little bit. So uh, before we get to that, uh, I just want to remind you, of course, make sure you check out the new devotional, uh, Daily Grace, the Mockingbird Devotional, Volume 2. We're coming up on the end of the year, of course, and uh, I don't know what you do for uh, any of your morning devotions or even if you have morning devotions, even if you have perhaps maybe you uh, like to uh, have devotions at different times of the day, I don't know. <laughs> uh, regardless, though, I am uh, really excited to uh, be a part of this new devotional, uh, the Mockingbird Devotional Volume 2. I was so happy when uh, C.J. Green and others, the editors over at Mockingbird, uh, invited me to uh, contribute to this devotional, and uh, I just felt super honored, super privileged uh, that they would even consider me. And uh, so I'm sharing it with you because uh, I want you to read it and not just to read me, but there's a, a slew of other people that contributed to this project and uh, a lot better writers and thinkers than I am. <laughs> And uh, so I want you to benefit from that, and, to, and so take advantage of that. Get that devotional, read through it. It's 365 readings where you can uh, hear um, what you need to hear each day, which is a daily dose of grace. <laughs> and so I hope you'll take advantage of that. Make sure you do that. Uh, get it. The links into uh, in the notes for this show and the resources. Uh, make sure you follow those. Go through there. Get, pick up yourself a copy of the Mockingbird devotional, uh, volume two. Uh, this week, I have a, an interesting topic I think that I want to get to, but before that, I just kind of want to recap what I've been uh, preaching on. Um, 
Recently, of course, I've been going through uh, a series on the book of Ecclesiastes, and I am nearing the end of it. I've, I've been in the, in the depths, uh, so to speak, of this book. I consider chapters 7 through 10 uh, some of the most difficult passages to sermonize, to study, and, you know, get a, a, a three-point sermon from, so to speak. Um, but fortunately, I've, I've, I've spent a lot of time meditating on these chapters, and I've been able to do that recently, and, I, and it's only because of the Holy Spirit <laughs> allowing me to uh, be able to uh, have that insight and share what He wants me to share. And so I'm really uh, thankful that He's that the, that the Spirit is working on me in that way. Uh, but I, this past week, I preached on Ecclesiastes chapter 9, which is one of the most interesting chapters, uh, I think, um, in the book. Um, actually, one of the most interesting chapters, I think, is the chapter I'm going to preach on next, the, this coming Sunday, which is uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 10, which is really interesting. But regardless, chapter 9 is really fascinating to me uh, because it covers a lot of different topics, uh, topics that I think that he has covered before. Uh, he talks about uh, the inescapable fact of death and how life is unpredictable, but he talks about what those things mean, especially as we are on a hunt, on a search, so to speak, for meaning. And I think really the pervading the pervading thought of this chapter, chapter 9 that is, is how do I find meaning, and where do I go to to find my meaning? Uh, it, it, as as we've been noticing a lot, uh, it's you can't find meaning in things under the sun. Things under the sun, they they are frail, they are fickle, they are fragile. They will fade, they will uh, fail you. They will you you can't rely on them at all. Um, and so he he doubles down on that notion, and he has that incredible illustration uh, where he talks about how it's better to be a living dog than a dead lion in verse 4, which is just a really interesting way of saying that all the nobility that a lion possesses means nothing once it is dead, it, which is to say this, that I, I think I, I, I put this in uh, more terms that perhaps we would resonate, which is, what good is your six-figure bank account if you're six feet under the ground? Uh, we oftentimes live for things that are under the sun. We live for perhaps money or, or pleasure or entertainment or success or accomplishment or achievement. We live for things uh, like that. Um, we live for possessions, perhaps anything that you can put in the blank there. We, we live for that and we derive our meaning from that. Yeah, but what good is it if we are dead? Uh, he's talking about the physical fact of death here and the fact that we can't escape that. There is coming a day when our, our lungs will no longer have breath in them. And there's nothing that we can do or achieve or accomplish that can prevent that from happening. And so what good is it then to derive our meaning from things that cannot uh, uh, help us or benefit us in any way once we are dead and gone? And I think that that's sort of the point of what he's making is and and. And to further that point, too, you can't even hold on to those things in this very life. It, he has those really fascinating verses in 11 and 12 of Ecclesiastes where he talks about how the race isn't to the swift nor, or any or the battle to the strong and all those sorts of things, which is to say you can't really count on any outcome in this life based on what you think should happen, based on what you predict to occur. Uh, we talked about that last week as we were going through Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 8 and just the fact that predictions and projections of the future are so so frail when they come from our own intellect and when they come from our own reasonings. 
Because we don't know what's going to occur in the future. The days that lie ahead are completely outside of our little uh, little finite minds. Uh, we cannot comprehend what they're going to hold. And, 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 and Solomon notices this, and he draws your attention to the fact that Based on this, it could mean, it could, we could sort of uh, decide then that time and chance happen to everyone. And even he, he articula- articulates that, um, just the fact that time and chance happen to everyone. And so life is random. Life has no point. Life has no meaning. We're, we're ruled by fate. So what's the point? And, and that's sort of what he's wanting you to come to, because I think he wants you to come to that because he wants to also prove then <laughs> that that's not true, um, that our lives aren't ruled by fate, they're ruled by a heavenly father. Because he goes back to, uh, in verses 7 through 10, which I find some of the most fascinating verses, uh, verses which he says, go thy way, enjoy your meal, and enjoy the drink which makes you merry. He, he, he talks about such joy. Live with joy. Live joyfully with the wife of your youth in all these days under the sun. And I just love the words that he, he, he puts on display there in verses 7 through 10, which is, I think, something that we don't often think about. And I think the whole... The whole point of all this is, and it can seem like he's going to to a lot of different places, <laughs> and he is in some regards. He's going to a lot of different places to, uh, in a lot of di- he's touching on a lot of different topics and such. Not, but uh, I, I think the pervading thought is this: meaning that we create is counterfeit. It's fake. We, we can't really create meaning. We can derive our meaning out of things under the sun, but they'll just be eventually revealed for what they are, uh, replacements of God. Any sense of meaning that we create here is fake. It's not going to give us what we want. It cannot provide what we're looking for because it wasn't designed to. Actually, God alone is our meaning, and he gives it to us out of his own self he gives us himself, and that is where we derive all of our meaning from. That's why he's talking about enjoy these things that God has given to you. When you realize, when you are made to understand and see that God is your meaning, you can hold other things a lot more loosely, but you can also hold some things a lot more closely. You can enjoy and cherish all these little matters that God has given to you because they are gifts of his grace. And something I didn't mention, actually, is just this incredible fact that that he, he what he uses as an example, uh, which I find so fascinating uh, in this passage for um, what God has given us is this is this wedding feast. He describes how it's he gets you get this picture that there's this. There's this wonderful feast that's happening between this this lovely bride and a bridegroom, and it's this wonderful immaculate uh, thing that's that's happening in front of them, and they are they are able to enjoy this incredible feast, and 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 you get this beautiful picture of of the love that's there, of the wonderful uh, uh, picture that's there of this bride and this this groom enjoying themselves in this incredible feast, and it's really reminiscent of the fact that. Uh, that's what God is ushering us to. 
it's 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 all pointing us to to what we will eventually receive in full from him which is a feast which will never end is the is the is the wedding feast that will never stop because we will finally be in the presence of the bridegroom the true and better bridegroom himself all of which is to say these little gifts of grace that we've been given here in this life that god gives us are little tokens of the meaning that he gives us in himself uh, little tokens that remind us that he is the true and better one. And that these things here, they are just that, they're gifts. We can't derive ultimate meaning from them because they're not designed to give us ultimate meaning. They're designed to point us to the one who truly is our ultimate meaning, uh, Jesus himself. Uh, and I, I love I love the this portion of scripture because it speaks to, so fundamentally to where we are. Uh, we, we often... Uh, think that things uh, that will give us meaning don't. Uh, and we often realize that through very difficult ways. Um, and it, it also, I think it, it, it lofts these little moments that we have into uh, moments that should and, and rightly should be uh, uh, enjoyed and taken for what they are. Little moments of grace, little moments where we see God working in ways that we don't often expect or foresee, and and it's these are moments that are to be cherished. We don't have to avoid them because they're too small. We don't have to step over them to get to something more important, something that's that's out there for us that we need to get to. That's that's of 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 more meaning than something else. The little moments have meaning, and they're moments that God has has given to us. And we can be appreciative of that. Uh, so that was my sermon, uh, a quick summary, a quick, a quick sort of thought process from my sermon on Sunday morning. In the Sunday evening sermon, I went to Luke chapter 18. I, I, I stepped away from my sermon series on on, on First Peter for just a moment and because I was drawn to... This chapter, once again, Luke 18, has the wonderful, uh, it's, it's a wonderful chapter, and, and, and in it, it has the parallel story to uh, Mark chapter 10 and Matthew chapter 19 of the rich young ruler, which I just, I love the story, um, and, and I love how Jesus interacts with this rich young ruler, and how he is it's trying to show him what righteousness truly is, and that's really what this story is to me. It's a story of law and gospel, of this one who thought he was so good, who thought he was so gifted in terms of what he could offer, uh, and he was trying to ask Jesus, you know, how do I get into heaven? What, what must I do to inherit eternal life? As if he could do something in and of himself to to merit this this eternity. And, and Jesus uh, takes him at his own game and proves to him that <laughs> that if you're trying to get into the get into eternity by things that you do. Um, you're going to be vastly disappointed because the law doesn't just demand some of these boxes to be checked. It demands everything. The law is an unflinching law. It's 100%, 24-7, 365 righteousness. It's, it, there's, no, there's no excuses. There's no caveats to that. It's unflinchingly rigid. And it's complete, and it's full, and it's total, and it doesn't demand some of us, it demands all of us. And this is something that this young ruler just didn't quite get. It's like uh, the, the illustration that I use. It, it, it's like that that young kid in that comic, that co that cartoon by Gary Larson from The Far Side, where it shows this young kid going to school, and the school is is, is called the Midvale School of the Gifted. He had this gifted kid quote. This gifted kid is walking up the stairs to the school, 
and he's trying to push on a pool door. <laughs> and uh, it's a silly little cartoon, a silly little subtle humor cartoon. But in that, I think it, 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 it proves what this young ruler was trying to do. He was trying to get into heaven by pushing on this door with all of his giftedness, with all of his might, with all of the of the ability and strength that he thought that he was he was he was so self assured of that he was so self confident in, and he was trying to push on this door and get it to open. And the truth is, the door to heaven can't be opened from the outside, especially not by our giftedness or our goodness, because we don't really have anything of the sort. It has to be opened from the inside. And that's the wonderful thing is that the promise that is you're made to sort of see here is that Jesus himself is the one who opens the door for us. He calls himself the door in John chapter 10. And he says that all that we have to do, the only work that's required for us, as he says in John chapter 6 verse 29, is that we believe. It's almost as if he's saying the only thing that we have to do to get into heaven is just pull on the door. Because it's already open. <laughs> it's already been cracked open by the cross. This is what Jesus has done for us. Uh, and this is the truth of righteousness that I think we're made to see here, as Jesus says to his disciples in that wonderful verse, uh, Luke eighteen twenty seven, that with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. The impossible has been accomplished for us. That is perfect righteousness, perfect love embodied. Uh, this is what Jesus is, and this is what he does for us. Um, I really enjoyed that sermon. I enjoyed delivering it, and I hope that you enjoy uh, listening to it. And uh, I, I pray that you will. Uh, the links for those sermons are in the notes for the show. Uh, take advantage of them uh, as resources to further your walk with the Lord. I pray that you will find them a blessing. And uh, if you have uh, any comments to make on them, feel free to reach out to me. I would love to interact and engage with you as you're listening to the Word and uh, you're listening to uh, those sermons uh, being delivered. Uh, before we go on with the rest of the show, I just want to take a quick moment, a brief, a brief moment to talk about this week's sponsor. Do you like coffee? I know that you do, and that's why I want to tell you about Fresh Roasted Coffee. Fresh Roasted is a locally owned and operated coffee house right here in central Pennsylvania that is committed to providing the highest quality coffee on earth. They do so by sourcing only the freshest coffee beans and by using the most eco-friendly roasting technology in the world. Fresh Roasted's USDA-certified organic coffee beans ensure that your coffee is consistently regulated at each stage of the production process and completely free of GMOs and harmful synthetic substances. Fresh Roasted Coffee roasts their beans per order with immediate packaging and shipping directly to your door, meaning that you get to experience fresh coffee at its peak drinkability. That's what I like. I was introduced to Fresh Roasted Coffee soon after moving to central Pennsylvania, and I'm so happy I was because I think it's literally the best coffee out there. Their Blackbeard's Revenge blend is out of this world good. Whether you use a regular drip coffee maker or a pour-over or a French press, however you get your coffee fix, make it fresh roasted. Go to the link in the notes for this show and use the offer code GRACE10 at checkout. That's offer code GRACE10 at checkout to get a discount on your next order. And now on to the rest of the show, in which uh, I, I've had this thought for a little bit. I, I, it was it came to me actually a couple of weeks ago when I was reading 
through the works of Alexander McLaren. I, I've, I make no bones about this. Uh, Alexander McLaren is one of my favorite uh, preachers, orators, uh, whatever you want to put there, theologians. I love reading his sermons. Uh, I find them incredibly readable, incredibly just uplifting and, and, and theologically profound in many ways. I, I don't always agree with him all the time, no, but he he was writing in a, in a specific age for specific people. But I find his, his sermons incredibly, incredibly profound and insightful. And so um, I was really encouraged to find his Ecclesiastes sermons. Of course, I'm going through Ecclesiastes, as I mentioned at the top of the show. Uh, and so I, I, I read through his sermons on Ecclesiastes, or at least this collection of them. And there was an incredible passage that I want to read to you because it actually, uh, I think, is immediately applicable to where we are. And so let me just ask you this question. Uh, what's your morning routine like? My morning routine is pretty much the same. Um, I, I'm a routine-oriented guy. I like my schedules. I like my routines. I like to be able to get up and get up slowly. Um, I'm not one of these people that likes to get up you know, 10 minutes before they have to leave and rush out the door. That's, <laughs> that's definitely not me. I'm the type of guy that likes to ease into my mornings. If I have to be somewhere by eight, I'll get up at five or six and really just ease in, drink a, a cup of coffee slowly, do some reading, get my, get my brain awake. That's, that's how I like to enjoy my mornings. Uh, I'm, a, I'm, that's a routine for me. I like to do that. It's how I, I, I get myself ready for the day, so to speak. But sometimes I find myself getting a little bit lax in those routines, especially when it comes to the end of the week as I'm prepping for Sunday. Uh, the end of the week, I'm more tired. Uh, I've, I've slogged through different tasks and, and obligations and whatnot. So uh, I'm just a little bit more loose with uh, things. I'm not as strict as I should be, perhaps, at the end of the week. <laughs> and so how do you, what do you do in the morning? And, and how do you get ready for Sunday morning? Um, I think that's an important question to answer. Um, let me read you this passage. Maybe it'll, it'll, it'll convict you like it convicted me, and then I'll, I'll try to explain a little bit of it. This is Alexander McLaren preaching from Ecclesiastes chapter 5, which, if you remember, Ecclesiastes 5, the beginning verses, is talking about the person going to church, going to the house of the Lord. And so he has this little uh, paragraph, and he writes this, quote, "...fruitful and acceptable worship begins before it begins." So our passage commences with the demeanor of the worshiper on his way to the house of God. He is to keep his foot, that is, to go deliberately, thoughtfully, with realization of what he is about to do. He is to draw near to hear and to bethink himself while drawing near of what his purpose should be. Our forefathers' Sunday began on Saturday night, and partly for that reason the hallowing influence of it ran over into Monday at all events." What likelihood is there that much good will come of worship to people who talk politics or scandal right up to the church door? Is reading newspapers in the pews, which they tell us in England, is not an unknown in America, a good preparation for worshiping God? The heaviest rain runs off parched ground, unless it has been first softened by a gentle fall of moisture. Hearts that have no dew of previous meditation to make them receptive are not likely to drink in much of the showers of blessing, which may be falling round them. No matter how much we frequent the house of God, if we go with unprepared minds and hearts, we shall remain ignorant. I find those words 
so incredibly convicting to me because here here is here's McLaren talking about preparation preparation for worship how do we get ready for going into the house of god what are we doing with our minds and our hearts and our thoughts and and this was in a day in which it was perhaps far at least how we think in the 21st century he was writing in a day in which it was far less uh, there were far less distractions and far less things to uh, to be encumbered by uh, what would he say nowadays we we wake up what's the first thing that you do you unplug your phone from the charger and you check facebook and instagram and your email make sure that you know that that the post that you posted last night has some likes and it's getting some traction or you have some emails that you know you, that people responded to finally or that you have to see you know perhaps what what the day is going to look like as you as you head into the office and you and you see all the things that you have to accomplish and you read the news, then you you open Apple News, you open your 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 news feeds, and you see all the different news stories that are hitting hitting the feeds and hitting uh, all these different places of popularity and notoriety. And you see all these stories happening. What would he say? What would McLaren say now? As we're checking our phones in the church pews, as we're checking Twitter right before we get into church, perhaps even in church. I'm not trying to be uh, harp on anyone who does that. I'm just asking the question, is the most beneficial thing for you? Is it the most beneficial thing for you to to be referring to as you're entering into the sanctuary of the Lord? I have to check myself on this. I'm not preaching as if I've somehow found a way to avoid all this. I'm checking myself right here. I've done this. I've checked Instagram and Twitter in the church building. And no, it doesn't do anything for me. It's just a way that I'm I'm feeling that sense of distraction. Uh, and how egregious is that? We're trying to distract ourselves from maybe we're, we're in a place and we're in a church pew where we don't really like the singing or, or what have you. And we're just distracting ourselves from the boredom of, of the hymn that we don't like or, or whatever. <laughs> it's so tempting to continue filling our minds with with all the ways that we normally do. And so I, I just go back to this paragraph and I, I think about how he talks about what good is it? What good will come of worship if you're talking about politics or scandal? If you're checking Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and TikTok and all those different places where we can be distracted, what kind, what kind of worship will come out of that heart? I'm preaching to myself. For me, this this means I need to check my routines. On Sunday mornings, I need to be more assertive about where I go for information and where I go for preparation as I walk into the church building. Um, it's something that I definitely have to think about. I definitely have to uh, make sure that I'm taking into account um, what I'm doing on Sunday mornings. And not just Sunday mornings, but every morning. What, what am I making the first thing that I'm thinking about? Is it is I'm, am I opening up Facebook and, and, and seeing all the different new posts from my friends? I'm not trying to harp on social media. I enjoy it. I enjoy interacting with people. It can be grievous at times for sure. But I guess what I'm saying is this, is I, I want to be more intentionable. In, intentionable? <laughs> I want to be more intentional with how I spend my time, especially in the mornings. 
especially as I'm getting into the day. Uh, what do I want to be the pervading thought? Um, I can't always avoid news stories, but I can avoid news stories from 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 beginning my day. It would be much more beneficial to, for me to begin my day with with something of God's grace. <laughs> Small commercial, by the way. That's why it's probably good to get the the new Daily Grace devotional from my friends over at Mockingbird. But I say all this to say, what's your routine like? Um, maybe you've mastered this. If you have any maybe um, helpful uh, habits that you've established uh, for your morning routines, let me know. I'd love to hear them. I'd love to interact with you in terms of how you've been able to alter your morning routines. What what have you found that it, that works best for you? Um, I'm definitely in this mode where I'm trying to be more intentional about what I do in the mornings and how I start my days, starting them with the truth of God's grace rather than news or fake news or what have you from around the web. Uh, who knows what what that holds and and and, and if it even matters. <laughs> uh, I just it 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 convicts me when Alexander McLaren is talking about this in a day and age which I would think it would be a lot easier to focus. Focus on the word and focus on the present. And yet now we're even more distracted. What would he say now? I pray that my heart would be that soft ground that has been that has been softened by the the fall of dew, which I take to mean to rise early and and soften the heart with 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 time with the spirit, time with the word, time with God's truth. Uh, that's what I take that to mean. I I pray that this is something that is beneficial for you to, to reflect on too. It, it's definitely beneficial for me. Um, what's your routine like? Does it need changing? Does it need a fixing? Uh, I would say mine does. <laughs> and I'm going to see if I can do that. Uh, see if, if I can make my routines a little bit more spirit-filled. Make them uh, ha- have heavier doses of daily grace as opposed to filling my mind with things that may or may not be true. Uh, I I pray that you'll do that along with me. Uh, That's it for this episode of the Ministry Minded Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. I pray that you found this episode a blessing and encouragement. Um, And and please let me know if you've you've been encouraged by anything that I've said or shared. uh, Please let me know. I'd love to hear from you. Thank you for subscribing to the Ministry Minded Podcast. You can do that wherever podcasts are found, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever. All the links to that are in the notes below. Uh, I just appreciate so much all your support. Thanks for helping me along and continuing this uh, podcast. Um, And I enjoy sharing these things as I do. And I I pray that um, you find some benefit from them. So I'll see you on the next episode. Blessings.